We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. As, as just mentioned, uh, Pastor Don passed away this week. He was promoted, promoted to heaven. And um, he founded this church in 1959. It was about the sixth Assemblies of God Church in South Australia. There's only a few. And uh, he introduced me to Jesus and taught me foundations and probably many of you as well. And when I went to visit him last, a scripture came to my mind and it was from 1 Timothy and it said, uh, 2 Timothy, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there's in store for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. Not only to me, but all who have longed for his appearing. And we'll hear more about his life in the weeks to come. Um, There's a memorial service here on the 21st of December, but that's a little bit tricky, because at the moment, uh, the family can only invite 150 people. And uh, who knows that Pastor Don touched more than 150 people. And, um, and with a few helpers as well, you know, we can have a few helpers here. So I, I'm asking us as a church to be understanding of that. And uh, we all probably can't be here for that time, but um, the family want to include everyone, but they just can't do that. And so that's going to be live, live streamed as well in some sort of a way. Uh, let's pray. Lord, I thank you uh, for this opportunity Lord, as we come around the word, I pray you encourage us all. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to look at a guy today. We were going to start Christmas sort of sermon, but I, I felt to look at a guy who reminds me of, a, a bit of Pastor Don. And he was a pivotal person in the life of the Apostle Paul and, and a guy called John Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark. He lived full of the Holy Spirit, and his name was, was Joseph, not Mary and Joseph, Joseph, not Joseph in Egypt, Joseph, just Joseph. But we don't know him as Joseph. We know him as his nickname. You know someone as their nickname, you don't actually know their real name? I know some people like that. Um, they knew this guy as his nickname, and his nickname was Barnabas. Bar means son, and in the bus, I suppose, encouragement so his nickname was son of encouragement and that's how we know him that's how he's mentioned in the bible as his nickname barnabas a son of encouragement and this quality so defined him that he it became his name instead of his other name and uh you know i suppose to me pastor don was never don daniel he was always pastor don and uh he encouraged people as well and um Barnabas encouraged people so much that his name was Mr. Encourager. Who remembers the Mr. Men series? Mr. Stretchy, Mr. Happy, Mrs. Grumpy, Mr. Encourager. And he was sold out for Jesus. And most likely he was a farmer as well because the first thing you read about him is that he sold a plot of ground and gave it to the church to feed the poor. That's the first thing you know about him. And um, he was so impacted by God. He didn't 
want to just follow God. He wanted to serve him with all his life. And his life was dedicated to following Jesus and helping others. And um, this is, is really what it means to be good news people. Because the life of Barnabas, like the life of Pastor Don, is, is an example of how to follow Jesus and how to encourage others along the way. You know, if there's one way I think we can carry a legacy we spoke about is to be a Barnabas. Be a Barnabas. Be a son or a daughter of encouragement. And uh, I want to encourage you to be a Barnabas. You know, just elbow someone, tell them to be a Barnabas. Get on the Barnabas. Do you like that? Yeah? Okay. That New Testament gives us some glimpses into his life. And there's one thing about Barnabas. He saw the best in people. And he saw potential in people when others didn't see the potential. When others steered away from someone, he saw something different. And um, he got alongside those who other people perhaps said, no, not them. And Acts chapter 9, verse 26, it says this, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached the uh, word boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. See, Saul at this point in time had been a guy who'd been throwing Christians in prison, who was there when, when they were killed. He was public enemy number one for Christians. If Saul was in the place, you didn't want to be there. And Saul has his encounter on the road with a bright light. He, he hears the voice of Jesus. He becomes a follower, but then he tries to go to church. And they're thinking, this guy's just coming undercover. He's a, he's a radical. He's got a secret agenda. He'll get in there and then he'll lock the doors and then we'll all be either whipped or in prison. And, but Barnabas saw something different in Saul. When no one else saw it, he saw something. And uh, sometimes you've got to take a risk with people. And Barnabas took a risk with people. And uh, Barnabas believed that God can totally change. No one is too far gone. Uh, God can transform anyone. You know, I reckon someone took a risk with you. Someone took a risk with me. We talked about Pastor Don. When I was 17 or something, yeah, I was once, Pastor Don said, uh, you know, why don't you leave some worship on a guitar? That sounds pretty normal now, but not back then. Back in those dark ages, when you led the worship, you had to act like a windmill and conduct the people. Who remembers that? Anyone old enough to remember those days? So, so I'm up there with the guitars, a 17-year-old, whatever it was, and he took a risk with me. He took a risk when he said, Darren, why don't you lead the youth group? I think it was 18. Half of the youth group was older than me. I had no idea what I was doing. Even less than now, a lot less than now. He took a risk. Barnabas took a risk with people. The Apostle Paul, Saul changed his, got his name changed to Paul. He got known as Paul. He became uh, the greatest writer in the New Testament. Wrote a lot of the New Testament. 
and um, they wouldn't let him in. But Barnabas, the encourager, found a way. Now, Barnabas believed in people. Barnabas released a potential. Let's, let's be like Barnabas. Um, we read a little bit further in the book of Acts, or in, in chapter 11. It's, uh, we might read this verse 19. Yep. It says, the believer, Meanwhile, the believers had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death. Stephen was the first guy to get martyred. He got stones thrown at him until he was killed. And travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, uh, Syria. And they preached the word, but only to the Jews. Let's remember back then, they thought, you know, this was only about the Jews. However, some of the believers went to Antioch from Cyprus, and they began to preach to the Gentiles. If you don't, if you don't know, the Gentiles are just people who aren't Jews. Uh, preached about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church of Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent who? Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw evidence of God's blessing. He was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers. Funny about that, isn't it? He encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas, Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Um, he found him, they brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there for a, with the church for a full year, teaching the crowds of people. It was at Antioch where the believers were first called Christians. So this was persecution was tough then. If you were a Christian, all of a sudden you had to get out of the place or you were dead. But, you know, obviously it was, it was a hard time, but it caused the church to grow because uh, it became a catalyst for them to move beyond their, their, their walls, their, their mindsets, because um, Christians spread everywhere to escape. And they, and they took the message with them. And when Jesus, before Jesus went to heaven, he said this, you know, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. They, they received that message, but they stayed in Jerusalem. They stayed in church. They stayed in their little group. And it wasn't until this persecution came that caused them to, to get out. They got a bit uncomfortable. They, they were a bit comfortable, a bit traditional, used to a way of doing church. We would never get like that, would we? No. They stayed in Jerusalem, enjoying what God was doing there, being blessed, and then it turned really bad really quick. They scattered. You know, if God is messing with your world, things are going wrong, hey, sometimes it's a bit of a sign to take the message to a different place. And persecution caused them to multiply. Now, a lot of people in that early church believed that this Christianity message about Jesus was only for the Jewish people. And then some crazy guy decides to speak to the Greeks. And um, even though that's what Jesus was asking them to do. And so the disciples said, okay, who can we send to these people? Shall we send Peter? They weren't, they weren't going to send Peter. Peter would go all Jewish on them. Try to circumcise them all. Who's up for that, guys? Get them to obey all the Jewish rules. Just go hardcore on them. Let's not, send, let's not send Peter. Let's send Barnabas. But when they got there, you know, this was a different culture. 
What was this culture like? Well, it was probably full of immorality and idols and crazy customs. They're nothing like the Jewish people. They're completely different. So they're having this, encountering Jesus, but the other stuff is still there. It's a mess. But Barnabas went into that, that mess and took Jesus into that world, despite the mess, despite uh, probably everything else that was going on. And uh, I wonder what we see in the people in our everyday world. Barnabas saw the grace of God moving. Sometimes we can just see the mess. But, but Barnabas, didn't, Barnabas didn't see the mess. How often have you heard someone say or read something where people see problems instead of potential? Oh, the economy's going bad. The prices in the supermarket, have you seen them lately? They're better than the prices in the middle of, of Africa in the supermarket there. Oh, the church is going to the pat. The government, it's all the government's fault. It's conspiracy. They're out to get us. Hey, remember when we started at Ardrossan? Oh, it's a hard place, man. You know, there's a Freemason hall there. You know, I think Jesus is bigger than some of this stuff. And if you've got an issue like that, it's not that the issues aren't there, it's just that your Jesus is too small. You re need to realise how big he is. Nothing like that can stop him. He went into this place, which was a mess, and transformed it little by little. Yeah. Barnabas saw the grace of God moving when other people just saw the mess. Hey, let's be Barnabas. Let's take Jesus into people's world, whatever it looks like. See what God is doing when, when the rest of maybe those around you just see, see the mess that is happening. See, uh, Barnabas believed in people's potential. He took Jesus outside the walls. You know, he was really kingdom-minded, what do I mean by kingdom-minded? Um, hey, you need, he, was, he was humble. Barnabas knew it wasn't all about him. You know? I want to explain. Um, in Acts chapter 11, we, we read about Barnabas and Saul going places. Barnabas and Saul are going over here. Uh, he's gone to Arctic, uh, Antioch. Barnabas is the main man. Saul's the sidekick. You know, it's like Batman and Robin, Barnabas and Saul. And um, Saul's the new kid on the block. Barnabas is the main man. And you get the order right. Whenever you talk about these guys, it's Barnabas and Saul. And if you read through Acts, Acts, Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 12, it's always Barnabas and Saul. But something happened in Acts chapter 13. Um, verse 9. They're in Cyprus. Cyprus must have been a crazy place back there. In verse 9 it says, Saul, who was known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he looked the evil sorcerer in the eye. I can imagine this. It's like a it's like Captain America type movie. And he says, you son of the devil. You've got to say that in a sort of Sean Connery accent, I think, but for, my, for me. Full of all sort of deceit and fraud and, and, and uh, enemy of all that is good. Will you ever stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? They went to Cyprus and this guy was opposing them. Barnabas was encouraging, but Saul goes all. He, he goes at him. Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you and you will be struck blind. Whoa. 
You will not see the sunlight for some time. And instantly, instantly mist and darkness came over the man's eye and he began groping around and begging for someone to take his hand. So Saul takes on this guy called Elymas and he goes full on at him. And uh, how'd you like to have him as your pastor? And suddenly, you know, it's not Barnabas speaking, it's now Saul speaking. And from that point, Saul doesn't get called Saul anymore when you read the Bible, he gets called Paul. It sort of has a change of name. And from that moment, everything changes. The next line you read, or I think it is, now Paul and his company, Barnabas doesn't even get a mention. And when, when you start to read on, it's, it's no longer Barnabas and Saul, it's now Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas. They've changed the name of the band. They've got a new lead singer. And his name's Paul. And Barnabas, Barnabas is just doing the backup. And uh, something is happening new through Paul, and Barnabas is okay with it. Because Barnabas is all about equipping people to make disciples. He knows it's not about me, it's about God's kingdom. He knew he helped Saul sort of become Paul. I've done my job. And whenever you read on from there, it changes everything. You can read about that in Acts chapter 13, verse 42, 43, 50, Paul and Barnabas. So, you know, this is a test for us when you get into a team and you're leading it and you're number one and then the young whippersnapper comes in and you start to equip them and all of a sudden, ooh, I think they might be better than me. What do you do? Well, Barnabas said, you go for it. I'd rather you stand on my shoulders and go further than me. I don't want to limit you. Go for it. He just went and encouraged someone else. It's about serving. It's about kingdom living. God always does new things. He always anoints new people. The greatest in the kingdom of God is the servant of all. And uh, so I think Barnabas was pretty secure in who he was. He rejoiced when people succeed. Celebrates when others... He's kingdom-minded. Another thing about Barnabas, he, he gave people a second chance. Have you ever written someone off when they did something... You know, crazy. Well, Barnabas is with, with Paul and they go on a missionary journey and they have a guy called John Mark with them. And something happens and John Mark says, I'm going home, I can't handle this. And um, Paul's not too happy because we know what Paul's like. But, but Barnabas says, no, we've got to bring him on. And they've had, a, they've had a big argument about it. And what happened is they parted ways. Paul... Uh, Barnabas went with John Mark and Paul got another sidekick called Silas. You might have heard of him, Paul and Silas, in the jail. And uh, what happened is they got halfway through this trip and, Bar and um, John Mark deserted them. It doesn't tell us what happened. We don't know why. Maybe he had family, maybe he just got scared, who knows. But for Paul, this was like, never again, not taking that guy again. He's got a huge character flaw. I've took him in. He can't handle the pressure. He's gone. But Barnabas believed in second chances. So he grabs hold of this guy and says, I, I, think, I think I can do something with him. His name's John Mark. Anyone read the Gospel of Mark? It's written by John Mark. So Paul take, uh, Barnabas takes this guy under his wing and all of a sudden things change. He starts, he writes the Gospel, which is incredible. And, you know, he might not, he might not preach like you, Paul, but I think he's a, I can see something. Hey, the, the message for us is, if we've messed up, 
God hasn't finished with us. Failure is, a, is an event, not a person. We've all failed. But um, the thing I love about this, they have this big argument, they go their separate ways, but you read a little bit further in history in, in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 20, and Paul writes this, oh, bring me John Mark, because I have great need of him. So that things have obviously changed, they've reconciled, Paul sees what's happening in his life. And we all have those bumps. But when those bumps happen, a Barnabas, an encourager, sees, sees beyond the failing, sees behind the failure and sees the best in people. Barnabas understood the power of the second chance. Um, I want to encourage you to be a Barnabas. The first thing we read about Barnabas, I think I gave you the scripture in Acts chapter 4, Julie. This is the first thing we read. There was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and bought the money to the apostles. That's his introduction. I like this. He, he obviously encouraged by his words, but also by his actions. You sell a field and give it to the money to feed the poor. Something's happened on the inside of you. I think, uh, I mentioned Pastor Don at the beginning, I think one of the way, greatest ways we can carry on that legacy is be a Barnabas. Get the nickname. How'd you like Peter around? Yeah, I'll have Peter. He encourages me. That's a, that's a Barnabas. Let's be a Barnabas. Who will you encourage? Who can you, this week, write a card to? Who, who can you share Jesus with? Who can you go to who might be a bit isolated? Who needs a second chance in your world? Who can you be a champion for, to stand up for someone who perhaps can't do it? Who will you encourage? Lord, uh, as we think about those people, I pray for a, like a Barnabas-type spirit. He says he was full of the Holy Spirit. Lord, to be upon us. We pray for those people who might need encouragement in our world. We take our eyes off ourselves for a moment and we just look around us, if you like. Think of that neighbour, think of that friend, think of that person who lives down the street, Lord, who might need encouragement. Lord, I pray this will be a day when something activates within us, Lord. And I pray for that spirit to rest upon everyone here. Let us be a Barnabas-type church where your encouragement flows through each of us. In Jesus' name, amen.